Hey everyone, this is Augustus Cho. Welcome to part three of our previous episode. You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up podcast on the Nana Music Network. One of the aspects that I appreciate about Michael Castello is that he is not afraid to sing sacred music. And to me, some of the most beautiful music in the world came from the church, like Ave Maria and Hallelujah. So what are your thoughts on that, about that you are not afraid to tackle faith music? Uh, So back 200 plus years ago, composers were writing for two people, the nobility and the church. And that's how the composers were able to make a living aside from teaching. Uh, but those that composed music, it was either nobility or, or, the, or the church. And the sacred songs uh, were supported uh, because um, whichever pope or, or priest or denomination was looking for music uh, for a specific part of the mass. Um, if you know anything about Catholic Christianity, there are parts of the Mass, and there's music that celebrates, heightens the experience. Way back when, it was done all in Latin. The music was all in Latin, Gregorian chant, Latin. Italian wasn't introduced, or for that matter, German, English, any other language that is was spoken wasn't until the late uh, 1950s, uh, where after Vatican II, uh, the church basically said songs and the mass can be now done and said in, in various languages. So many more composers. Um, wanted to fill in the void of these songs that became standards, and they wanted to write new versions for the times. So the sacred arias like Ave Maria by Schubert, Panis Angelicus, Cesar Franck, and the list goes on, were written for the church. And they are now classics, stables. You hear them in funerals, you hear them in weddings for a reason. Yeah, but not everybody's, not all performers are willing to uh, tackle uh, or add cl- uh, sacred music to their performances. But you are, you are not one of them. And so is uh, Helene Fischer. You know, Helene Fischer of Germany, right? She's yes. not afraid of uh, sacred music. And um, her version of Ave Maria, which she sings in German, and German, as you know, is a kind of a guttural language, like Hebrew. Yeah, when she does it, it's just so beautiful. Yes, yes. Um, no question about it. 
Uh, every singer has their own story. Some people embrace their stories. Others want to put it to the side. They have bad memories or you never know. I am proud of my history and my background and my part of singing in the church. So singing sacred songs will ever be a part of me. Yeah. And you, yeah. And you sang Ave Maria also. So is Michael uh, uh, Bolton, Celine Dion, and, and Michael Bublé, and all these, everybody's trying to sing it. And you're, you sang yours at least at one time at St. John the Baptist Church, right? And yes. of course, at other places as well. So yes. when you're singing it, I mean, what thoughts go through your mind when you're singing such a sacred, beautiful piece? Well, uh, it's the lyrics. It's the, the devotion to the, the mother of God, uh, mother of Jesus. And, um, and, uh, and the, her beauty and, and what she means to, to those who believe in the faith. And just trying to connect and emote. Uh, again, it's only 12 notes that we have. How you sing it, the feeling behind it is what counts and, and how it's going to resonate with an audience. And a bad day does not make a bad life. <laughs> you have a bad performance. You didn't get enough rest. You didn't get enough sleep. You ate something, they give you agita, allergy season, the list goes on of the possible X's that go against this working to perfection. Okay. And go ahead. Sometimes, sometimes the training that you have, even on your worst day, will be fantastic because of the training. Right. And as then, long as my job as a performer, as a, an artist, musician, is to get people to feel again. To make them feel they've, they've become so desensitized, desensitized by what's been going on around them that they forgot to feel. So if they hear a performance and it brings a tear, a tear of joy, a tear of sadness or elation, and they could feel again, I've done my job. My goal is to try to be consistent every time I sing. Will I achieve that? No. But that's my goal. Right. And that only makes you human. So, Of course. In your opinion, what was the best uh, time period for opera? The best time period for me for opera would be uh, mid 18th century to early 1900s. Okay, good. Yeah. Do you think uh, the techniques of opera has changed over the decades? No. <laughs> Simple answer, no. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> back, back then, they did not have electricity. Uh -huh. They had no amplification, no microphones. The training that they had, as I stated before, 
was to reach the back of the opera house, the amphitheater. And if you go to the Met or to La Scala, they are without microphones. You're never going to see that on any other stage, not on Broadway, not on rock stages, not on pop stages. So the training to sing other styles of music is not the same as opera. Opera has been consistent over the years because that's what's needed is singing and able to reach the notes and emote and for the back of the theater to hear every note. So despite all the technology, there are some things in society where it doesn't change at all. Good to know. In 2010, you uh, put out an album, third album, Aceto, and you did, an Italian, yeah, you did an Italian version of Hallelujah, which was filmed in Toronto, right? Yes. And it, and it was filmed by a filmmaker named Greg Rick Riccio Jr. Riccio. to promote the random act of kindness. What, what was that all about? What was the uh, philosophy behind that project? So the Aceto CD, for those who don't know, Aceto in Italian means vinegar. I'm going to call it aromatic spirit. And, uh, and vinegar has healing properties. Oh, yeah. For those who don't know. And uh, I named the album Aceto in honor of my dad. My dad's original trade, he was a cooper. He built barrels. Barrels for wine companies, for balsamic vinegar companies, et cetera, et cetera. And as that industry evolved and changed, he went into carpentry and then construction. But uh, when my dad passed away, I uh, dedicated the Aceto CD in his honor. But I have another story about the blueprint of the songs that I chose. I'm not sure we have enough time to discuss. Does that mean yes? Yes. Yes. Come on. Okay. So... I will eventually get to your question, but I want to preface it. So my dad passes away in December 2009, early December. That year in mid-September, I get an email from a prospective client saying, my dad is very ill. He, he was a pillar in the community, and I want his funeral mass to be exceptional and full of music. Can you send me a proposal? I'd like for you to do the eventual memorial funeral mass for my dad. And I said, sure, give me more information. Dad helped build the church, pillar in the community. And then I don't ask anymore what the client's background is or anything like that. Uh, but with that information and the fact that he says, I want the funeral has to be as much as possible full of music. It was someone who was progressive and put music, the importance of music and the healing process the grieving process and how music helps that at the forefront 
I said, I'm going to put a lot of time in this proposal. And, I, and over the years, going back 30 years, I had a folder. And it, it was called Music to Die For. Music that no matter what mood I was in, it would help me. It would center me. It would help me grieve. It would help me move on. So I pull this folder out and I go through it. And not only is it sacred music, but it's songs from films as well. And where does film music come from? The classics. Those composers who did films, they all learn from the classical composers, the Mozarts, et cetera, et cetera. The Beethovens of the world. And, um, and then there's always the love theme, the, 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 the theme in the scene in the film where somebody passes away. And it's not always a sacred song that really touches me. It gives me goosebumps. So I made a list of all these songs and then I narrowed it down, narrowed it down, narrowed it down. And I called it Requiem. Back then, the Requiem Masses. And I presented it to the client. He gets back to me, he says, this is unbelievable. This is far beyond my imagination of what I was expecting. He says, when the time comes, I'll let you know and I'll be in touch. And I said, okay. Lo and behold, a few months later, my dad passes from leukemia. And, um, and as I'm grieving my dad's passing, I am pouring myself into music. And what do I dig up? I dig up this proposal that I gave to the client a few months before. And I go to YouTube and I start listening to these specific songs. And I am just bawling my eyes, crying as I'm listening. And I have this immense amount of creativity that I need to put on record. And I start recording the Italian versions of this song, the Neapolitan version of this song. And one of the versions that I chose to do in Italian was Leonard Cohen's Alleluia. My wife, she's a scientist originally from Poland. Leonard Cohen was very popular in Poland. She was the one that turned me on to his music. And again, just like my audition, while some people zig, I like to zag, I chose to do Alleluia in Italian. One of the first to do that. And um, recorded the whole album. Went to Canada to visit family. And I wanted to promote Alleluia. And I was thinking of using a friend of mine to do what I did holding out the placard for free hugs. I didn't want to even be in the, in the, in the video. And uh, great musician, sax player, Enrico Galante. And um, he, at the last minute, says, Mike, I don't feel comfortable doing it. What am I going to do? I got the videographer there. We have the concept down. I created the placards, free hugs, double G for an extra hug spelling hugs differently 
And um, he canceled me. And I said to Greg, I said, all right, I'll do it. That's how sometimes certain things work in life. And uh, my mom was with us at the end of the, of the video. I'm giving a hug to elderly woman. And that's my mom uh, at the end of the video. She's got Alzheimer's now. And um, um, I'm, I'm so happy that she was with us. And that will remain a part of my, of my, my life and, and my story forever. Very emotional about it right now. But, um, anyways, that's why I did Alleluia in Italian. Why I included in the Aceto CD. Fast forward another six months. And the client calls me up. He says, Mike, the time has come. My dad is just days away from passing. Please send me the proposal. Again, just to review everything. I did. And I said, by the way, I just want to let you know that my CD, Aceto, the blueprint of that was inspired when you contacted me to give you a proposal your dad was passing and you wanted to make his funeral mass incredible and nothing but great music you are forever a part of my history and i did that funeral mass it ended up being he was an attorney he had five sons four of them became attorneys one of them became a doctor the four attorneys all eulogized their father. At the end of the mass, funeral mass, everybody applauded. It was full, full. He comes up to me and I said to him, why didn't you eulogize your dad? And he says, my brothers spoke, but Michael, your music was my eulogy to my dad. I didn't have to say anything. Your music said it all for him. And we're great friends on, uh, on Facebook. And he's an incredible doctor in Philadelphia. And we will be right back after this important message. Yeah. Yeah. And we're back. So where does this uh, film project come into the picture in terms of promoting random acts of kindness? That was uh, choosing Alleluia uh, as the, the song to promote the CD. And I had seen another video of free hugs. There's so many of them. And, um, and I just thought it was a good marriage to do random kinds of, of, of kindness, free hugs in a, in a society where we're afraid to touch people, we're afraid to be personal, obviously some for not so good reasons, but we become so unattached that it was good to see that. And the way the video was edited, where the beginning part, no one wants to hug you, please stay away from me, they just walk by. It's just a narrative of, of 
people having a distance and not being connected to the community to eventually the modulation happens. It goes from black and white to color. And then I'm getting all these hugs. But that's just the narrative that we wanted to, the story to tell. Otherwise, we got more hugs than not. We shot, I don't know, two hours worth of footage. It's only a four-minute song, so we can't use everything. We could probably do a, you know, a 15th anniversary, 20th anniversary video of some of the B-roll at one time or not. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you release a number of songs, and one of them is, some of them I should say is called Il Mondo, which is means the world, and also Il Tuo Mondo, which means your world, and also uh, Garda Questa Terra, which means look at this earth, and also Brasia La Terra, which means burning the earth. Obviously, there's some kind of a, a trend there. It seems like your songs tend to have more of a cosmological perspective as opposed to national boundary perspective. You know, so you, your target seems to be broader than just a particular segment of uh, humanity. Well, first of all, except for Guarda Questa Terra, which is an original song I co-wrote, the other four or five that you mentioned are all classic songs. Starting off with Il Mondo, written by Jimmy Fontana. He was inspired to write it by man's um, um, journey to the moon, to space. Um, so he wrote it. It's been covered so many times. I did my particular rendition of it. Il Tuo Mondo, written by two Croatians in the early 1970s, done in Italian by the great Roman tenor Claudio Villa. I included it in my CD, La Dolce Vita in America, because at that age when it came out, my mom was cleaning the house and the song came on the radio. She picked me up and, and she danced. And that, that, that whole scene stayed with me all these years. And I wanted to honor my mom through that song. And, um, and it, it talks about Il Tuomondo, about the youth, the younger generation looking up to the elder generation, all the wisdom that they've been able to get from the grandparents, the parents. So it's more like Il Tuomondo, you are my world. The, old, the younger generation telling the older generation, you are my world. Everything I know is because of you, etc. Then Guarda Questa Terra is just look at our community. Look at our planet. Look at our world. What are humans doing to either improve it, improve the world, or, you know, make a, a mess of it? Yeah. And... Uh, Brucia la terra is the theme from The Godfather, written by Nino Rota. The original theme was Parla più piano, speak softly, love. Brucia la terra is the Sicilian version of that song. There's a scene in the movie where this gentleman is playing the guitar on a stoop old New York, and the father is holding the son, and the father is saying to the son, Migaluzzo, meaning Michael, little Michael. 
Your dad loves you so much, so, so much. And um, so I chose to take that part of the scene of the, of the film. And I wanted to do that song in the Sicilian language. And hence, Brucia la Terra, the burning of the earth. And how you can you relate that to the scorched earth, to, to the movie and the subtext of, of the movie. And Sicily, if you think about all the scenes that took place, it was hot. You know, even though Sicily and, and Southern Italy look like the tropics, it's not the tropics like the Caribbean. But it's still, it can be very humid and very hot. And then you got the iconic Mount Etna in Sicily spewing lava and decimating anything in its path and the way the people live on the island that they could lose their life just like those who lived near Pompeii uh, thousands of years ago and were exterminated by that volcano they live life in the moment Sicilians Neapolitans anybody that lives close to volcanoes they live life in a different way because they don't know at any time, that can erupt, and they're decimated. They're gone. I get it. You get it. Uh, I've heard lots of uh, <coughs> different songs, but I've never heard Doobie Brothers sung in Italian or Corsican. So tell us about that. Senza Amiri. Doobie Brothers, California. Great musicians. Great songs. You think of California. If you've ever been there and you've been to Europe, specifically Italy, I'll talk about because that's what I know. The topography of Southern Italy, of Sicily, of Calabria, the Apennine Mountains is to me almost exactly the same as the topography of California. And the missionaries that came to Mexico to the new world four or five hundred plus years ago they brought olive trees with them so California is the biggest producer of olive oil in the U.S. planted by the missionaries along the coast of California so I build the, the, the bridge of the Doobie Brothers, California, great dance music to California, and then the hybrid of coming together with the topography of Italy and Italy's foundation having to do with olive oil. My family in Calabria having to do with the olive oil and olive production and me starting an olive oil cooperative. So getting back to the Doobie Brothers song, Long Train Running, how, how, what was that about? So I did an album called Bergamo. And Bergamo is a citrus plant in Calabria, one of the beautiful things that comes out of this region. And it, I wanted to promote my native language, the Calabrian language. So I took all these various hit songs and translated them into Italian and then from Italian into Calabrian. One of the songs I chose was the Doobie Brothers uh, song. I actually did too. Listen to the people and uh, Long Train 
uh, coming. Running, yeah, long train running. This one long that I heard, running. yeah. Correct, yes. And, um, and, and I just love those songs since I was a teenager. Yeah, I mean, there's no question it's Stubby Brothers song, but it's, it's just very unusual to hear it in non-English language. So it's like, wow, that's interesting. Um, at, at the end, it's, it's 12 notes. You can sing it in whatever language you want to sing it in. It, the important thing is, do you feel it? If music is an international language, it's the emotion, it's the feeling that translates into any language. It doesn't matter what it is. If, if you listen to Ave Maria and you don't know Latin, but you're still moved by it. Yeah. yeah. There you so, go. So is that, is that similar well, to... Same difference. I understand. Operas, so you... operas that you've... Arias that you've never... That you don't know what they're talking about, what they're singing about, <laughs> but it still moves you. Oh, you absolutely. Know, you don't know the story. It still moves you. Different language. Absolutely. Same thing. I understand. Is that the same, uh, same concept that you just put out with Hotel California, your latest release? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yep, yep. It's the same thing. I can sing in whatever language I want. Hopefully, if I'm doing my job right, people feel it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard it. And uh, I mean, it's clearly Hotel California by the Eagles, but it's very different, not only in terms of uh, language, but also in terms of the rhythm. And I want to talk a little bit about the rhythm. It, sure. it, it's more like a salsa. I mean, it's got a very different beat. So talk to us about that. Well, when I do covers, I'm not going to do it like the original. Because if you want the original, you're going to go and listen to the original. Makes sense. I'm, I'm going to do covers in my own style, my own vibe. And if you think about the classic covers of all time, Elvis Presley, Hound Dog, so much more different than the Hound Dog by Big Mama Cass that came out. Then you got uh, the Isley Brothers, uh, Twist and Shout. But then when the Beatles did it, the Beatles put their own fingerprint on it and made it their own. Then you fast forward and you think of Jose Feliciano, Light My Fire. He put his own fingerprint on it, different than The Doors. And the list goes on of great covers recorded by artists. I'm just trying to, I stand on the shoulders of those who came before me that put their own fingerprint on covers. And not only am I going to give it a different beat, a different vibe, bring in some of my own story, I'm going to sing it in my native language as well and try to promote my native language or maintain it because it's a dying language. And um, at the same time, telling my story about it. I include flamenco guitar, flamenco, canto flamenco, because Spain dominated Southern Italy for centuries. And so I want to include that part of Italian, Southern Italian history into my music. Which, Which you, yeah, yeah, you did. And it sounds wonderful. I mean, it's just so different from the original. I mean, you notice the uh, song, 
Hotel California, but the way it's put together in terms of instrumentation and, and other things, it's just very unique and, and very, uh, you know, pleasant to listen to. So I, I, I enjoyed it. And I imagine it's going to be doing very well. I'm very, very happy to say that we're, we're doing this, uh, this interview today. And um, was it just yesterday? Uh, or the other day I announced on, on, on social media that we received already uh, over 70,000 streams on the song that just yesterday we got onto the um, Spotify Discover Weekly playlist. Um, so people are enjoying it. They're adding it to their playlist. They're saving the song. It's resonating with them. And uh, that makes me very happy that all the time, all the effort, the hard work, the expenses that went into producing our Hotel California remix is being appreciated and that it resonates with people so much that they are playing it often and doing what they're doing, that it brought up our numbers and Spotify recognized that, that they added it to their their Spotify weekly playlist. Very excited about that. And I'm not surprised. Congratulations. It's one of those uh, pieces that where you can't just hear it once because there's a whole lot going on in that song. So you have to listen to it multiple times to fully get the picture of what's going on. That's done on purpose. Oh, <laughs> so I'm not surprised. <laughs> we, we want you to listen repeatedly. <laughs> so it's called Ear Candy. Where you listen once, you get something. You listen again, oh, I missed that. You get something else. <laughs> you, you, every time you listen, we want you to discover something new and fresh in the song. If you only listen one, we didn't do our job. We want you to re- repeat it and listen, put it on play, repeat. That's, we want to continuously uh, stimulate and get the vibrations going and get people excited Make them move, make them feel, make them dance. Just feel. And if, yep. if, if, we, if we achieve that and they want to keep on playing the repeat button, we're happy. Well, I would say that you probably have succeeded at that because it's very difficult just to listen to it once because there's a lot going on. So I'm not surprised. And uh, I imagine it will do very well. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I was inspired... When I heard Hotel California in the mid-70s, 77, it came out. Or it may gone to number one in 1977. So it's the 45th anniversary of the song. I remember when it came out, oh, yeah. I gravitated to it. Why did I gravitate to it? If you, if you think of the chord progression, it's very Spanish very Latin. It's actually a Phrygian mode for those who are listening in and musicians. The Phrygian mode, I connect so deeply. I'm Southern Italian. I'm not Spanish, but why do I connect to the Phrygian mode? Because it's in my blood. (laughs) Spain dominated Naples, Puglia, um, uh, uh, Calabria, Basilicata, Sicily for at least several hundred years. So that Spanish influence into the Southern Italian culture, it's in our DNA. When I hear it, oh my God, I just like 
whoa, it just does something for me. So that it. was the reason why I love the song in the first place. And in fact, you know what the working title, when Don Henley heard the song, it was presented to him by Don Felder. He called it Mexican reggae. That was the working title of the song before it became Hotel California. Mexican I under- reggae. Yeah. I can understand that. How long did it take you to produce that? Uh, well, it was included in my Bergamo CD originally, and that CD was released in 2013. And that took about, there was 10 to 12 songs on that CD. Uh, that was about eight months to 12 months of work to create that CD. Um, and then we put it out there and it got some favorable feedback. It was different than what I had done before. My Villa CD, my La Doce Vita in America CD, and the Aceto CD all were grounded on classical crossover. When I came out with the Bergamo CD, which has Hotel California and the Doobie Brothers songs, I was singing in my native Calabrian language. I was introducing flamenco, up-tempo grooves. So my audience wasn't used to that. They, they took them a little while to get to feel it. And, um, and then the other subsequent albums that I released afterwards, All of You and China Chita Canta, back to classical crossover. So all the remixes moving forward that I'm doing in this year into 2023 are taking the songs from the Bergamo CD and revitalizing them, updating them, making them more current, more modern sounding so that they, why? So that they fit in a Spotify playlist because Spotify playlists has a theme. Each playlist has its theme. And if there's a a song that doesn't fit, you'll skip it or you won't play it at all or you'll change it. So now it's no longer about the song. It's, it's the playlist vibe. It's the mood. And I want to make sure that the songs from the Bergamo CD now fit in that vibe of the flamenco pop playlist genre world. Great. And that's, and that's why I redid Hotel California. My next release is going to be Rio, Rio, R-I-U, the one I was telling you before about Amazon. And the next one after that is going to be Un Amor. Uh, in the Italian collaborative language, it's called Namuri. Um, and I'll be doing them all eventually over time. Wonderful. This is the end of part three. Join us for part four.